everyone. It's Movie Geeks United. Thanks for joining us. A little bit later, we will be joined by Adam Long, who will talk about the latest Blu-ray releases. Always a great time. But for right now, I'm uh, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm joined by Dean. And uh, we don't know if Jerry's joining us yet, but uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. Did you see anything good this week? Uh, nothing new. Uh, nothing new. I watched uh, Frenzy, which is known as the last Hitchcock masterpiece. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but uh, it is it is interesting to uh, you know. There's something about Hitchcock. I I can't watch Family Plot. I've tried so many times to sit through Family Plot. And well, it, it, it kills you in the first 15 minutes, kills your interest. There's something about the acting that's just so bad. And, yeah, I can, I'm with you on that. But Frenzy has, you know, moments, great Hitchcockian moments. But it, you know, it is really interesting that for the first time in his career, he was he was trying to play catch-up. He wasn't the trendsetter. He was – that's what it felt like. In frenzy to me. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, the the film industry was freed from the shackles of censorship, and so, uh, so he he, uh, yeah, he was playing catch up for sure. Uh, although he did so pretty well, I mean, it's still a movie that that you know is fairly disturbing. Uh, and I think that's what he was going for, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I, I I love it. I still love it. Yeah, I like it too. I I think the performances come through, and I think um, I think uh, his staging, you know, how, how he throws in the black comedy and a lot of his staging of some of the most grotesque scenes. Even though I do think it's a bit much with every single victim having their Tongue sticking out. Uh, That's a little much. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the and the nudity. Uh, I mean, it is surprising for any, any like Hitchcock aficionado when you see kind of pretty gratuitous nudity <laughs> in, a, in a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it though. I I, I still like it. Uh, maybe. maybe uh, if I have maybe one complaint, uh, it's that <clears throat> I like John Finch, but the but the other lead is a little weak, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's what's his name? I, I even forget his he's name. A, he's Barry a little, something. He's a little stiff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, this week I watched uh, I, I rewatched Raggedy Man. Which is uh, uh, still a terrific movie, terrific little movie. Is that the only uh, movie that he's directed? Um, I, he directed play. another. Jack Fisk uh, is the director. Uh, he's mainly an art director, um, but uh, he's worked on a lot of Terrence Malick films and also uh, David Lynch and so forth. Um, he directed one more movie, uh, which was called uh, Violets Are Blue. Uh, which also had his wife, Sissy Spacek, in it. 
uh, starring opposite uh, Kevin Klein. Um, this was in the mid '80s. So, uh, but uh, I think that's the those only ones that he's directed. Um, without, you know, checking up on IMDb or whatever. But uh, I still adore Raggedy Man. I think it's, uh, um, you know, I still find it very charming, uh, very real, uh, classy. Uh, maybe with the exception, I, I, I do have problems with its last, you know, its last 15 minutes maybe. It's a little too horror movie-like for me. But uh, great cast, uh, not only her, but um, uh, Eric Roberts and Tracy Walter and uh, William Sanderson as the as the two sort of nominal villains. Uh, R.G. Armstrong as uh, as another kind of villainous uh, character, and uh, the two kids, one of them played by Henry Thomas. Uh, it's just it's it's a great. It's a great movie, really well photographed, t- terrific uh, uh, Jerry Goldsmith score. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's really, it's really, you know, a, a forgotten gem. Um, and I did go see Dunkirk again yesterday. Uh, I went to go see it in seventy millimeter, and uh, interestingly enough. Uh, this I, I would I told the people that I was with I was like get prepared you prepare yourself it's it's the loudest movie that I've ever you know heard or you know seen and um, on seventy millimeter it wasn't as loud uh, it was the the uh, it wasn't as punishing uh, or bassy um, the uh, the music track. Is a lot more nuanced, um, not as sort of um, irritating as it, it was in IMAX. Uh, the image is wider; it's not as tall uh, as it was in IMAX. It's not as quite as boxy, uh, um, and uh, but it had that kind of flicker to it. It had that sort of wonderful 24 frames per second kind of flicker to it that I love and uh, the color seemed richer uh, maybe not as bright but seemed richer um, it was uh, it was a lot more uh, it was a lot subtler I thought yeah, on film and um, but did yeah. it change formats a lot? You you mean the ratios or uh, uh, no? It didn't at all. It was always you know it was that sort of two three five kind of look to it. So uh, so it didn't it didn't change at all as far as I I could see. Um, I found it just as riveting the second time. uh, uh, I was able to make more connections. Last week I misspoke and said that the the lead kid in the movie was Harry Styles, but it's not. It's Finn Whitehead. Uh, so um, just wanted to make that correction. That's how you say his name. It's spelled F-I-O-N-N, but you pronounce it Finn. Um, and uh, uh, I also misspoke last week in saying that the, the three timelines uh, kind of mi- mischaracterized them. 
There's the one-week timeline on the beach, the one-day timeline on the sea, and the one-hour timeline in the air, just to get that clear. Um, but and I the two-hour timeline that I'll never get back. <laughs> I I recommend you go you go and rewatch it. I am not going to. As the first time there's a pleasure to know. Adam's on the line. Hi guys, Adam. how are you? Uh, good, good. How are you? So, what uh, did you just, think of Dunkirk? I I think I'm right there with Jamie. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm a little lukewarm on it. I I think technically it's it's an amazing achievement. I'm going to be honest. Um, I think he recreated the the look and feel of that event probably as as well as as could as anybody could pull off, but. I just I was really let down by the lack of emotional involvement in that the movie had for me. I just I didn't connect with anybody on a human level, and I just it was just a lot of sound and fury uh, for me. And I, I do admire, like I said, what he did technically, but I, I just wish I could have connected with it on a human level. And and for that, I had to give it a few demerits. <laughs> But what did you want? I, I just don't understand. Uh, did you did you want the you know did you want everybody to be you know buddies and you hear about their past and and you know you downplay this like how how all of a sudden don't you understand how people want an emotional response to a movie? I under uh, you know what I understand it in a movie like The Big Sick, uh, but in a war movie. It's a little bit of a different thing. I mean, like, uh, but but and then you have something like Platoon, where you do get to meet, you yes. do get to know the different personalities of the people involved. But that's a and weak. Then they're not. <laughs> I, I find that to be an extremely weak and phony movie. Uh, it's it's phony emotions. Well, uh, Private Ryan is a good example for me. I mean, that's a World War II movie where we, we those characters are well drawn in that movie. You you know what the stakes are for them. You know why that you know when you get to know uh, Private Ryan and why it's so important for them to rescue him. That's that's all there, you know. Okay. And and uh, so that's that's what I was looking for, something along those lines. Uh, and you know, Private Ryan has a few narrative issues for me uh, personally, but. It's so rich in the characterization department that I have always just admired that part of it, and and they didn't pull that off here. But you know, that's just me. I just uh, I just look at it as a movie about the uh, I don't not every movie is about character, and um, uh, I just look at this as a as a movie about uh, an event, and. Um, and as such, uh, I, you know, I mean, uh, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting the disconnect that that some people are feeling towards this, towards this movie. This sort of like, well, it doesn't have any scenes of people talking about their past or their future or whatever. Oh, nobody it's, said that. You were you the only person that said that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that you guys want, you know, you want scenes of, I guess, camaraderie between everybody, and uh, uh, but everybody's running for their lives in the movie. So, I mean, it's kind of hard for people to be sitting around joking and, you know, having a beer and, you know, or 
uh, reading old love letters or I don't know what you what you know. I guess that's what people want from the movie and uh, people well, who don't. What I want is some. What I want is something more than than one note played as loudly as possible. And that just that doesn't just describe the movie score; it describes the movie itself. Movie, uh-huh. you know. I wanted the movie to be more about more than just about bombast. And if the movie's just about survival, I mean, fuck, every war movie or conflict movie ever made is about the same thing. Does it shine any different light on it than that? Than those I think it's just trying to trying to portray the event. That's all it is. Uh, that, that's all it's doing. I mean, it's only a 90-minute long movie. <laughs> I mean, without credits, it's uh, it's like 95 minutes long. So it's it's a pretty compact movie, and I give it points for that. And I give it points for not dredging us through that same old tired, you know, uh, introduction of all these soldiers, you know, and they're all basically the same anyway. Uh, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm glad that it didn't have all the blabbity blab. You know, it didn't have, you know, scenes with, you know, people, people talking about where they're from and where they're going, yeah. and their family at home, all the stuff <laughs> yeah. that you talk about has to be involved in character. Yeah, it, it gets all, right. it, all that stuff gets boring. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, for, I, for me, boring is the same thing every second of the movie, and yeah. and, and the, the the sound is completely parallel with the with the, with his direction of it because there is no variation. I mean, mo- movies should be like orchestral movements; they they have to kind of ebb and flow. Uh, there's no, mm-hmm. that's why it felt like a technical demo to me. The movie, uh, mm. and. And knowing what kind of a, like a, the brainiac te- technician that Nolan is, I know that Kubrick is similar, but Kubrick actually really in, in, investigated the themes that he was uh, exploring. He found deeper relevance in the themes of his films. Um, that's why people keep discovering more about them the more they see them. What about the Mark Rylance part of the movie? Okay. Yeah. You've got why the, the fuck is he scoring the Mark Rylance part of the movie? Th- that, those sections could easily do without the score. You know, uh, uh, why don't you let I, that yeah. movie breathe a little bit? Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can give you the the score. You know, I'll I you know I can see the irritation with the score, but the that section of the movie still exists and it's still fine. I mean. It's also the sc- quite the emotional. The, in- the score is the entire movie, right? I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about an isolated kind of problem. It is slathered on every second. So yeah, but it's not so- the first movie to do this. I mean, most movies are wall to wall score now. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm correct in that, right? I mean, you know, you go see Wonder Woman; it's wall to wall score. Um, so. This is not a new uh a new phenomena. I mean, there's right. tons of tons of tons of uh documentaries have wall to wall score. Including uh including I just watched Tower again and it's wall to wall score. So I mean Yeah, a movie well, that's about people, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. 
I mean, it's not like I have a problem with, uh, you know. It's just, you know, every movie does something different, theoretically. And it sets up, a movie sets up its own rules from the outset of what mm-hmm. it's trying to do. And this particular movie uh, does that pretty well, I think. You know, Dunkirk. Um, so I, and uh, and the lack of, <clears throat> I, I find I find the whole Mark Rylance part, and uh, I, I find all three parts to be incredibly uh, moving, um, and uh, yeah, I just I just don't I don't get it, I don't get the disconnect <clears throat> that some no, people are feeling on it. I Get know, Adam. but it's not effective. <laughs> yeah. it, it it comes right. it comes that's, down that's to exactly it comes down argument. to hating. It's come to, it comes down to hating the score, and uh, no, that's because, not enough. No, because the, the the score wasn't put in without the director's consent. So it really comes down to the director's vision of what this thing should have been. And for me, it was intolerable. For other mm. people, it's not. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm 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 actually surprised in the disconnect with, with the people who um, aren't acknowledging that there's not more character there, and uh, you know it just seems like people who and it's a lot of people who yell about that kind of thing, and then suddenly I'm seeing it with the print, major print critics that usually have a problem with that, and they're just giving him a pass, and it's kind of interesting, um, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Just wanted to get that off my chest. Well, very good. <laughs> we can all d- agree to disagree, mm-hmm. <laughs> and still right. love each other. In the Adam, <laughs> what, what what month are we on? Is this July? Uh, it is July, yes, isn't it? actually, yes. So we'll go back to July fourth. That was the first Tuesday in the month, and um, there was a whole bunch of uh, Bob Hope films that Kino issued. On that day, uh, just a whole bunch of them, a whole slew of them. Uh, My Favorite Brunette, uh, Road to Bali, Road to Rio, Lemon Drop Kid. Um, I think that's all of them. Yeah, so all of those were issued on July the 4th. So if you're a fan of those uh, early uh, Bob Hope comedies, well, there's a a sampling of them, I would say. I don't know if you guys have listened. I know Jamie you sometimes listen to the, uh, the the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. Have, have you listened yeah, to the latest yeah. episode with Tom Bergeron where they were discussing the later phase of Bob Hope's career when he could barely stand up and yet he kept doing that? <laughs> you know what? That that is what I love about Gilbert Gottfried's podcast because he talks about these oddball things that like no one else. There's probably no one else in the world that's even remotely interested in them, but. You are interested in them because they're they're so enthusiastic about it, and they and he brings on guests that he knows will yeah. die soon. So he's like, we gotta get that, we gotta get Wink Martindale on this show. You know, I love his, I love his podcast. It is great. It is absolutely great. But I was I was screaming, laughing at this latest episode where they were talking about the um, the final appearance of Bob Hope, the Christmas special, where he played the um, I think he was an elf. <laughs> they were talking about. The, it's a, Dolores keeps uh, every every time she makes makes a mention of Elf, they cut to him very quickly, and he said, it looks as if he's been nailed to the wall because he can't stand up. Oh God! <laughs> they, they cut to him and he goes, "That's me." 
every time. <laughs> and I, lo- I, I, I love when he, because he does the same impersonations every show. I love when he impersonates um, uh, 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 Groucho, and then he impersonates uh, Paul Lind. It's really funny when he does that impression. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's the best. But I digress. The the Bob Hope titles just made me think of that. Was, oh, that's I was having so much fun. And it's not the elf; it's Jack Frost. He was playing Jack Frost. That's what it was. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, how about Shock to the System? Michael Caine from uh, oh. I, I never saw that actually. 1990. I have a very vague recollection of of seeing it and uh, and and. Being rather uh, ho hum about it. Yeah, uh, is that who's who's the female on that? Is it Elizabeth McGovern? It is. Yes. Okay. Well, that that was uh, if you watch his uh, acting thing, like where he teaches acting, because he did that whole series of acting instructions, mm-hmm. which was kind of like revo- revolutionary at the time. It got a lot of attention, and one of the lessons that he he talks about is uh, when you want to project strength in a scene, don't blink. Right. Uh, and to illustrate that, he showed um, a scene from Shock to the System. And if I keep blinking, it weakens me. But if I'm talking to you and I don't blink and I just keep going and I don't blink and I keep on going and I don't blink and I just keep going. And I don't blink. And I keep on going. And I don't blink. And I just keep going. And I don't blink. And I keep on going. And I don't blink. And I just keep going. And I don't blink. And I keep on going. And I don't blink. And I just keep going. And I don't blink. And I keep on going. And I don't blink. And I just keep going. And I don't blink. And I keep on going. And I don't blink. You start to listen. Has that ever been released uh, on on uh, re-released, or is, it, is that out of print, or or whatever? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It is. The, the, yeah, I mean the book. The book is still around, and I know you could probably get DVDs of it, but it's never been kind of remastered for Blu-ray or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's a great. That's a great piece of uh, of tutelage. Video yeah. I, I always wanted to see Shock to the System, but they they weren't making available any uh, re, uh, review copies of that title for anybody, so uh, we we didn't get to see that one. But um, and, and another one they didn't have review copies for that I'm very curious about, and I'm also curious if you guys have ever seen this one. Windows, the I believe lone directorial uh, effort from the famed cinematographer Gordon Willis. With Talia Shire and Elizabeth Ashley and uh, Kay Medford from 1980. I tried to watch it a couple of years ago, um, and I couldn't get more than 20 minutes into it. Uh, for it being a, a Gordon Willis movie, uh, and obviously he's not the photographer on it, but it's probably the darkest <laughs> um, and least... Uh, least visually appealing Gordon Willis movie out there. Hmm. Uh, uh, it, it is. It is to call it murky would be a uh, 
would be <laughs> would be kind of a uh, it's it's much more than murky. It's it's like it's like spending a couple of a few minutes in a in a dark room. Uh and uh yeah, I I didn't care for it at all. I had to cut it off. Yeah, everybody's pretty much warned me uh, away from it, but I, uh, curiosity killed the cat, so I'm probably going to have to check it out at some point. Uh, there's a pair of animated films from the, uh, I guess, 90s, 80s, and 90s, I should say, Universal issued Balto and an American tale, Five Old Goes West. So, mm. uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the least said you... about them, the better, probably. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but, um,. Although I'm a huge Don Bluth fan, I mean I I, I yeah. should say that he's 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 really he I mean you know Secret of Nim and uh, is one of my favorite animated movies, uh, but uh, I never I never connected to the uh, American Tale movies at all. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Secret of Nim. That's great, great Goldsmith score too. Also, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, uh, Kino has issued Star Crystal from 1986 as a science fiction film uh, that I'm not really familiar with, set in the year 2032, uh, but uh, it's there for the taking, uh, if anybody's Which interested. Which is not to be confused with Dark Crystal, right? Different. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there, there is that. Um, also, uh, a couple of Criterion titles here that were issued: uh, Stalker, the Tarkovsky film. The, oh yeah, what Dallas was talking about last week. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it has a really good reputation. I'm not quite through it yet. It's two hours and forty minutes. Uh, so I'm I'm only. In the, I'm about roughly halfway through it, and uh, I'm really intrigued with it um, so far with what I'm seeing. So it's Jesus, quite, Adam, uh, hang on. Speak, yeah. Speaking of long cuts, TCM last week, I T-voted, so I'm going to start trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. They uh, broadcast the five-hour director's cut of Until the End of the World, the Vin oh, Vendor wow. film. Uh Five hours, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This should be interesting. It's great yeah, soundtrack. That's, but, yeah. I, I saw uh, there was a press release that they were doing that somewhere or something. I, I knew that, and I'd forgotten about it. But, uh, yeah, I hate I missed that. Maybe, I'll, maybe they'll rerun it or something. But I'd, I'd be curious about that. I'd have to split that one up, too, I'm sure. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so the hunting party from 1971. That's a Kino title uh, that stars um, Oliver Reed and Candace Bergen, and Gene Hackman, right? And Gene Hackman, yes, one of those uh, fine Gene Hackman performances, I would assume, although I've not seen it. Uh, so the Sea Chase. That's a John Wayne title. Um, and it's, uh, I believe, 1953, I believe it is. It's uh, Warner Archive issued that. And uh, The Man from Planet X is a Shout Factory release, another Ooh. one of theirs. Um, and Star Slammer is another Kino title, another one of their science fiction titles, and they're just pumping them out. So, uh, Not to be confused are, uh, with Star Crystal. 
not to be. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking up Star Crystal right now, and I'm like, what? I don't even know any of these people connected to this. <laughs> it's like an it's an alien ripoff. Yeah, yeah, it's what it looks like. It sure does. And it came uh, out the same year as Aliens, so maybe that's got something to do with it. Uh, but we have uh, the uh, 1958 film Terror in a Texas Town, starring starring Sterling Hayden and Sebastian Cabot, and directed by Joseph H. Lewis. Now that's a brilliant movie. Yeah, that's, and that's another one I haven't seen. Uh, Edgar Ulmer, I think, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, that is that's that's a real real treat. Uh, uh, you know, you you know right from the beginning when you see Sterling Hayden walking down the street with a, a harpoon, <laughs> walking down a western street, you know, with a harpoon in his hand. Uh, you're like, oh, this is going to be uh, this is going to be something unusual. It really is. It's got a it's got a uh, a great script, uh, very exciting, uh, ex- excellent cast. Um, the uh, who's the who's the villain in it? Um, uh, I got to look it up now, but um, it's not. Uh, I well, Sebastian Cabot is the villain in it, but uh, I think I'm thinking of. Uh, Eugene Mazzola, maybe I can't I can't remember now, but there's there's some really good uh, uh, villainous performances in it, and it's it's written by uh, Dalton Trumbo. Yeah, oh. I, I did recall seeing that. Yeah, that uh, that might be a selling point for me. Yeah, and, and it's Joseph H. Lewis. It's, it's not uh, it's not Edward uh, Edgar Ulmer. It's Joseph H. Lewis. Yeah, uh, Joseph Lewis. Yeah, that's right. Right, the guy who did Gun Crazy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, really good movie. Check okay. it out. You're selling it well. Mm. I'll have to investigate. Uh, well, um, going from Terror in a Texas Town to the 1995 film Species. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Moving yeah. on. MG, MGM's made a lot of money off of species. They yeah. they reissue that like ad nauseum. Yeah, they they have. They've they've definitely uh def- definitely got the mileage out of that title for sure, or or that franchise I should say, as they've done you know the other. Oh, that that second one is awful. I mean, yeah, I know they I, made I, like I more m- more directed videos versions of it yeah yeah i always when we were playing that at the theater uh when i was working at the plaza theater we played it and we sat and watched it and then we came out we said we should have called they should have called this movie specious instead of species (laughs) (laughs) wow Robert Bresson, uh, Robert Bresson, sorry, uh, 1983 film L'Argent. L'Argent, uh, yeah. That's uh, it's a Criterion release, uh, one of their titles, uh, along with the aforementioned Stalker. And uh, also Lost in America is another Criterion, the uh, Albert Brooks. 
Uh, Still as brilliant as it was back in 84, I think. Yep. Sure is. Holds up. It really holds up. It's still funny. Uh, It speeds by. Boy, that movie just, it's it's just, you know, it feels like it lasts 15 minutes long. It's so Mm -hmm. enjoyable. David, you're fired. Fired? Oh, I'm fired. Oh, this is great. How dare you? I want my eight years back. I wasted my youth for you. I'm wasted. I'm over. Come on. I want them back. I'm going to stand in this office until you give them back to me. Better than that, I'm going to start taking things home with me. I want your clock. Right behind you. Give me that clock. Get me security, please. Oh, he's calling the cops. I can't believe it. Right now, my office. Right away, I can't believe it. Call security. I'll call you later. I can't believe it. You're making a big mistake. You don't even know me, you bald-headed fart. Okay, that's enough. God damn it, David. Sit down. Just listen to me. I used to make fun of my friends in college who went out to find themselves. I took the business route. So I wind up here. I can't believe it. What do I get? I get a transfer. After all these years, I get a transfer. I can get that at a bus stop right now. I don't need any qualifications. That and uh, Defending Your Life. Uh, well, I mean, he made so many good movies. Uh, I, can I, uh, you know, really, I mean. He really did. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I have to say, I have to say, I see, I see myself and my mother in that movie Mother. I mean, some of it is so spookily yeah. similar. Uh-huh. Uh, Same here. It, Same here. I, I, I actually, I actually showed it to my mother, and I said, "This is just like you." <laughs> it, uh, she did. She did. She did see the similarity, but uh, it's there. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, it, that's that's some kind of variety that you have Tarkovsky and Albert Brooks in your slate of releases uh, for <laughs> yeah. the month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm not done yet. There's a Roberto uh, Russolini War Trilogy box set. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, you talk about variety there. But the uh, yeah. So there's that. Uh, but the Lost in America, if you're a fan, I will tell you that it has um, the transfers. 2K transfer supervised by Albert Brooks uh, has a new conversation with Brooks and filmmaker Robert Wide, and there's uh, new interviews with. Uh, Julie Haggerty and uh, the executive producer Herb Nanus and uh, uh, James L. Brooks and the trailer and a nice uh, booklet there essay with uh, critic Scott Tobias. So uh, it's uh, you know I'd recommend it. Uh, I, I took a look at it. It's it's very uh, very good transfer and uh, hi- highly recommended. So mm. yeah, if you're a uh, fan there. But, um, yeah, so the Roberto Rossellini, that includes uh, Rome Open City, Paisan, and Germany Year Zero. So those are the Wow, that's films. a good set. That's, yeah. So the, that's definitely some of his best work. Especially, uh, I, you know, Rome Open City, obviously, is, is groundbreaking. But I really love Germany Year Zero. I find that mm-hmm. to be a, a, a devastating movie. Uh, about the effects of war, um, very, very, um, very, very heartfelt, and uh, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll definitely mark your soul. That's for sure. Interesting. <coughs> yeah, I didn't. That's not one of the titles I was. I got this month, but uh, I'll, I'll take the Stalker and the Lost in America. That was fine. Yeah, I, I, I sold it. <laughs> Did you, I sold it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, 
Well, the 2001 horror film Pulse, uh, directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, which I've never seen. Uh, another one. Uh, that uh, being Kikuchi. Uh, yeah. Shinsuke Kikuchi. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would, it would come up at some point. Uh, yeah, that uh, it's got a good reputation. Pulse. Uh, hear good things. But uh, but uh, one that I did get a, a copy of and I got to look at and I hadn't seen in probably 30 years or at least a good 25 would be uh, Don't Look in the Basement. The, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. I, uh, you, did uh, that. you took a photo of that. And, and I did. I t- did. Yeah, uh, which, uh, you know, a screenshot of you watching that movie on a – on a screen that's probably four four times bigger than what the movie itself deserves, but it made me curious about what your uh, what is your home theater setup like? What is that screen? <laughs> I have a projector. I have a projector and a pull down screen in my uh, in my living room wow. area. And, uh, oh, look at you! Yeah, <laughs> I do. I I have I have that, and I have the you know the five point one, and then I have. Um, a, uh, I have a, a, co- a zone-free, um, uh, should, uh, yeah, the, the, um, region-free, I'll get it out, region-free, uh, right. Blu-ray player, uh, Sony, that, uh, will play anything from around the world that can be found, so, uh, that, that's, that's what I have, and, uh, mm, <laughs> cool. projectors and Epson, and, uh, it, uh, it's, I've had it for about four or five years, it's, it, it puts out a, a good bit of light. For uh, for what it is, and Good. I'm I'm pretty impressed. So the with question it, is, so, when, yeah. when when am I uh, when am I moving in? I mean, that's the real. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's room, man. There's room. There's a there's a uh, an extra futon here that <laughs> can be remedied. <laughs> I can right. say that it's a it, it's a great way to watch a movie. Watching a movie over at Adam's place. Uh, when yeah, we watch, we watched it. Yeah, we watched uh, a little bit of Hair. Over there yep. when I visited uh, last year, and yep. uh, and it looked magnificent. So yeah, but what movie did you watch? <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, oh. All right. Yeah, that's uh, but yeah, that's my setup. That that's it, and I uh, yeah, I have to admit I'm in love with it. I'll, I'll cop to that. So yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, there's a uh, f- well. Anyway, the don't look in the basement. I will say this though. It you know not a great movie, you know, but definitely uh, memorable for that really? title if nothing else. And yeah. <laughs> really, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it's not the worst movie ever made. There's some very uh, effective um, shots in the movie, actually, and a couple of a couple of shocks and jolts that you don't really see coming. You know, there's a couple of couple of things in there that make it uh, you know worth at least sitting through once. And, it, and but the thing is, it's a this is one of those movies that's been notoriously terrible looking on video because it's in the public domain. And mm. I don't know where – it, it, there's a like a note on the uh, the Blu-ray that says it, that they found – I guess it was the last surviving print, that, and uh, they, they ran the transfer from there, and it, it looks the best it's ever looked. And they left enough 
uh, scratches in the film and uh, to give it a, like a real film-like quality. You know, it's it's very sharp and it looks good, but there's a, there's a few occasional scratches and it's it's kind of neat watching it. There, you know. So, okay. The, uh, what 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 year is it? Seventy-three. Yeah. And oh. it, it was shot in like twelve days for one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, <laughs> something like that. Don't. <laughs> Don't look in the basement. The makers of Last House on the Left warn you again. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. The line between sanity and madness can be crossed in a single step. And with this step, you enter the nightmare world of terror. Judge Cayman, whose iron self-control hides the urge to kill. Harriet, a mother's love, twisted into the malignant shape of evil. The sergeant, living in the hell of an aimless war, fighting a battle within himself that he lost long ago. Allison, in a desperate need for love, an obsession that could drive her to murder. Danny, whose sense of humor triggers a violent act of revenge. Dr. Masters, who has her own idea of the gentle art of healing. And Charlotte, who left the world of sanity and security only to be trapped in the nightmare world of madness, a nightmare she cannot escape. They all met on the day the insane took over the asylum. Don't look in the basement. There is nothing in the basement. Uh, spoiler alert. So... <laughs> <laughs> there, in fact, there is no basement in the film. Uh, it has nothing oh, to do really? With the film. They don't yeah, even have a basement in right. it, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Know, this, this is the one where, <laughs> you know, this is the film that uh, Edgar Wright was was doing the parody of in Grindhouse when he does that fo- that fake trailer yeah. at the beginning where it's don't don't. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a riff on this. So, yeah. Well, cool. there's also you know there's face- don't go. Uh, there's don't go in the house. I know that. Yes. Don't and answer don't the phone. Don't answer the phone. Right. I remember that one too. Yeah. There's a lot of don'ts. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a sequel. Uh, don't don't look in the basement too. Yes, there is. Made did by the ever, uh, did, you, did you ever see? Um, did you ever see the? Um, God, who did it? Um, it. I don't think it's Corman. It might be Corman. Don't go in the closet. Or don't look in the closet or something. Um, yeah, I've heard of that. The, I the never act, saw it. The actor that's in it that you'd recognize is the guy Paul Thomas Anderson used him. Henry Gibbons or Henry Gibson? Henry Gibson. Uh, Henry oh, yeah. Gibson. Yeah, he's I love in, Henry Gibson. He's in it, and it's hysterical. It's it's a kind of a it's a it's a parable about mm-hmm. uh, the the dangers of closeted homosexuality. <laughs> and uh I mean it it's it's a B movie in the extreme. 
Henry Gibson, Stella Stevens, Donald Moffat, John Carradine, Howard Duff, Claude Agents, Paul Dooley, Jesse White, Frank Ashmore, Donald Grant, Denise DeBerry could not stop it. It's gripping. It's shocking. It's horrifying. It's incredible. It's monster in the closet. We must act immediately. Destroy all closets. There's also don't don't look in the attic. Yes, <laughs> and there is. And don't look in the cellar. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of don'ts. <laughs> yeah. I can think of some other look, but maybe don't look now. <laughs> don't say a word. Uh, <laughs> don't pick at that; it'll get infected. I mean, there's a lot of. A lot of <laughs> Don't do that or you'll go blind. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't resist. All right, we've talked enough about this movie. Go go on. Okay, yes, we have. Smoking the Bandit, the 40th anniversary edition. And what makes this noteworthy is two things, actually. Uh, and I did get a chance to look at this one. And um, there, there's an alternate... Originally, you could only get the 5.1 remixed soundtrack uh, that they did mm, about 10 years ago. So you couldn't get the original 2.0 or whatever, the mono soundtrack as it was released. And so you know, the sound effects are a little, slightly different, but they've, uh, you now have an option. You can get the original soundtrack as it was uh, on the original film. And it also has the, uh, the Bandit documentary as a bonus that uh, ran on, what was it, CMT last year or something? I think. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so, yeah. That's so, good. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's it's worth an upgrade for those two um, things if you don't have a decent copy of it. So, um, anyway, uh, moving along to July 18th, oh, we have... Um, the Bat People from Scream Factory. <laughs> <laughs> one of those. Uh, another one of the uh, the Warner Archive uh, John Wayne films from the fifties, Blood Alley. Uh, that's another one of theirs. Um, they they did a, uh, like I said a pair of John Wayne films this month. Not sure what the occasion was for, but uh, anyway. Uh, and, and of course the Criterion, I mean uh, the Twilight Time stuff. Uh, interesting batch of titles. One. Uh, is I think we can all get on board with this one. Everything you always wanted to know about sex, but were afraid to ask. The uh, Woody Allen, uh, 1972. Um, yeah. You know, and I wish, and I know he doesn't allow extras, but it would have been great if they could have found that deleted scene where, uh, where he. Oh yeah. The spider, <laughs> the black That's widow. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Louise uh, Lasser as a as yes. a black widow, right? And he's yeah, and uh, she devours him at the end of the segment or something right uh, i've always there's there's photos from that you can find actually steals from it around but i don't i think he destroyed the footage that's as his usual um that's usually what he does when he's not happy with something so wow anyway, like, uh, like all what? anthology movies like all anthology movies that one doesn't work completely uh but every it, has, story. it has two it has two classic Segments. It does. I mean, especially yeah. the Wilder segment is yes. just, uh, and it's because of Gene Wilder. I mean, he's just yeah. an amazing 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> the movie. Yep. And, and then the he's, sperm thing. Yeah. yeah it was good. That that's that's definitely the, the masterpiece <laughs> there, but the but the Italian one, the one that Woody yeah. Allen is in, where he, it's like a spoof of Italian movies, doesn't really work. Yeah, I'm not uh, crazy about that one. And the uh, and the spoof of uh, what, what is it? What's my what's, what's my perversion? My, what's my perversion? That's right. Yeah, that that doesn't work either. Um, and Don't they do I, like uh, a taming of the shrew kind of thing too, or, or where he's the well, court gesture or something? <laughs> that yeah, one is that also one actually, not so great. <laughs> I thought it had some good one-liners in it. I, I've always enjoyed. There's a couple of good zingers that he gets in, and uh, as the court gesture that I, uh-huh. I still laugh at. Uh, uh, yeah, I like the Lou Jacoby one, the one where he's caught, you know, cross dressing. Yeah. And uh, and I do also uh, like the uh, John Carradine one where he's, you know, the giant. <laughs> yeah, it, the giant boob goes the, roaming around the country. Yeah. Yeah. I I love his line in that, too, because uh, somebody says, well, how how are you planning on catching it? And he says, uh, don't worry, I know how to handle tits. <laughs> <laughs> John Carradine also gets like a great, uh, lascivious moment where he's like slurping about the slurping and thinking about the the giant breast and it's, yes, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite the. There's some it, good stuff there. I'm telling yeah. you, I, I really think it is. It's it works more than it doesn't. Let's put it that way. So, uh, Man, I'm nostalgic for that period of Woody Allen because I, I, I mean, I think of him making those films like that and Bananas and Sleeper and all of that kind of stuff. And him being kind of a regular fixture on the Dick Cavett show, and him interviewing people like, uh, God, who was it? Was it Billy Graham that he interviewed? It, that yeah, was a great conversation. I mean, that was. Oh yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, did you did you? And going back to Gilbert's podcast, did you hear John Biner on there uh, telling the story when he was in a segment on the the craft? What was it? The craft music theater, a craft music hall, or whatever it was. Uh, that they used to, it was a live comedy show that they used to do on CBS, I believe it was, and Woody punched him in the gut uh, a little bit too hard because he was. Uh, John Biner said he was jealous because he was, uh, you know, kind of hamming it up, and he punched him a little too hard, and and you can see it in the clip on on I saw it on YouTube where he actually pushes, well, he punched, he pushed him, and he pushed him so hard into the set that the the dishes were about to come off the walls. <laughs> And and so he came back later and he he slugged Woody in the gut and he said that he uh, yeah. slugged him so hard that he he actually uh, was taken aback by it <laughs> because he was really angry that uh, it, it was an interesting story it was on the the John Biner appearance on there but uh, yeah that was yeah. during that period well years years ago uh, I think it was Rhino uh, uh, released the CDs of Woody Allen's stand up yeah uh, I have that and that's actually a, that's some funny stuff. It sure is. Yeah. Yeah, I still have a lot of the records. Uh, I still have, um, and I and I uh, <clears throat> recorded them many years ago, so I have them on cassette, mm-hmm. and I listen to them, and uh, they're they're fantastic. I mean that uh, yes. that era of uh, of his stand up was just unparalleled. True. Agreed. 
So a uh, couple uh, more Twilight Times, uh, and here's something that uh, isn't on the level of uh, everything you always want to know about sex, the uh, 1962 version of State Fair starring, get ready for it, Pat Boone, <laughs> <laughs> Tom Ewell, Alice Faye, and Ann Margaret, and Bobby Darren, and Pamela Tiffin. What a cast, right? Wow. <laughs> Wow, Ed Margaret and Pamela Tiffin. That's that's yeah. too much cuteness for the screen. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I guess it somewhat compensates for the blandness of Pat Boone, but uh Yes. Uh but still that's a lot of compensating that needs to be done. <laughs> I can't think of it. I can't think of one thing that Pat Boone has ever done that's like wow, he's he, he did that song well, or I, he wasn't bad in that movie. That's never happened with me and Pat with <laughs> Pat Boone. So yes, he's definitely well, a negative. Oh yeah, when you when you go back and listen to to like his version of Tutti Fruity that actually yeah. got in the top ten, it's like yeah. oh my god. When he sings Tutti, when he sings Tutti Fruity, he's he's actually singing about ice cream. He's not singing about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Was Debbie Boone his daughter or sister? Or? Daughter. daughter. Yeah. Daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, ooh, yeah, those those the, his attempts to cash in on the. The uh, the the little Richard records and the Fats Dom like his version of Ain't That a Shame that's another one oh my God it's like these records sold millions of copies Jesus but anyway I noticed uh, never that, before uh, his... never before has a version of that song been more aptly titled <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah just look know... it up on YouTube I'm telling you it's amazing I noticed that he he's um, he did a movie in the seventies. <clears throat> where he's a uh, he's a preacher trying to save gang members from <laughs> from a life of violence. It's called The Cross and the Switchblade, and it has him uh, cast opposite a young Eric Estrada as the <laughs> head of the gang, and uh, it's now on Amazon Prime. I was thinking about taking a look at it just out of morbid curiosity. Um, but, uh, if you want to see what we're, uh, what we're railing against, you know, go and check that out <laughs> if you happen to have how about, Prime. Uh, how about, um, Eric Estrada? Have you ever seen his work and thought, my God, he really, he really <laughs> knocked that out of the park? <laughs> Actually, no, I've never, <laughs> that's true. That's, uh, I have never seen anything by Eric Estrada that I thought was impressive. Well, oh, you not even you one mean, of those not even one of those celebrity bowling shows. <laughs> <laughs> I would love he'd be great on one of those. I actually saw him uh this afternoon. I was having uh, lunch with a friend and they had on the uh, ESPN2 and they were running the Battle of the Network Stars and he's doing them now. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> It, it, it was amazing watching him try. He was actually run. They had a, a like a competition where he was running, uh, and he was wow. run, running against one of the younger stars, network stars, and it wasn't coming off very well. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, he's got to be Sad. like in his seventies. Like, what what would the he event is. be? Like, yeah. how fast how fast can you empty your colostomy bag? I mean, what? Uh, yeah, right. 
Oh, I, mean, I, gave, man. I gave him props for uh, for trying though. It was it was pretty good. But uh, anyway, another uh, Twilight Time release would be the uh, the the two for the price of one feature of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Uh, and these were um, I guess these were the only two films uh, made by Reader's Digest. Uh, when you think of movie distribution, you don't think of Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> but these are, but these are uh, nevertheless, uh, Reader's Digest uh, was responsible for these two films, although they were distributed by United Artists. And, Since they're uh, Reader's Digest, do you do you watch the movies while you're on the toilet? Because that's like the only <laughs> that's the only place I can think of where people actually read Reader's Digest is when they're yeah. going to the bathroom. <laughs> True. Yeah, these are the musical versions, the ones with. Uh, the, the the songs are by the Sherman Brothers, who did all the you know the Mary Poppins and the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and uh, bed knobs and broomsticks and all those. Uh, and so you know the songs. Hang on, are, hang on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I hear it. <laughs> That's all I want to hear about. All right. It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> Terrible. So these uh, they did a good job on the Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. I mean, they they've taken all the. Uh, unfortunately, the filmmakers took all of the uh, the, the the social con- uh, uh, statements that um, Mark Twain was trying to make, and they kind of watered it down. So mm-hmm. you're you're left with whatever. If you take out the social context or social overtones, and you're left with whatever there is after that. But. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, the music scores, there's some fairly memorable songs, and um, the music score has been remixed in 5.1. They took the original audio stems and did a 5.1 mix, so the uh, the Blu-ray is, is really quite impressive with what they've done. They did a lot of uh, hard work on getting it, uh, you know, getting the sound uh, remastered, so uh, kudos to them for, for reaching out and putting those, and yet, like I said, it's a good bargain. You get both of them on the same disc, and... Probably, wouldn't you say Tom Sawyer's the uh, only film where Johnny Whitaker had the lead? <laughs> other than, other than a talking cat, uh, I think he's in that one. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, but, which is also, we were talking about our favorite bad movies uh, last week, and uh, a talking cat has to be right up there with with uh, Eric Roberts as the talking cat. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Johnny Whitaker, uh, yeah, probably the only only film that he headlined uh you know without checking IMDb. But you know that movie <clears throat> Tom Sawyer, I've never seen Huckleberry Finn, but Tom Sawyer is actually a pretty good movie. Uh it's got it's got excellent songs. The the title song uh um that's sung by Charlie Rich yeah, I like that. Also, That's actually good. Is that is, is quite moving, uh, and uh, the uh, it is. I mean, it, I'm sorry. Got, uh, no, 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 no. I just I just keep thinking about Pat Boone's really singing about ice cream. <laughs> it's true, we tell you. You know, when he's thinking about cherry pie, he's thinking about cherry pie. He's not talking about anything else. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, you know what's interesting about Tom Sawyer too is that okay, well, you can like oh, it's a musical, I don't want to see it, but 
it has Warren Oates in it. <laughs> so I was getting ready to mention that. If you're a Warren Oates fan, you've got it. You've got to see it. He's, he's pretty. He's pretty good in it, and yep. uh, mm-hmm. it's got some interesting character actors like Henry Jones and Dub Taylor and yep. um, Celeste Holm yep. as, as the as Aunt Polly, and and mm-hmm. of course it's got an early Jodie Foster uh, performance. Oh. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've, all, I've always wanted to see Warren Oates in a musical, so that's uh, something answer to my prayers. I guess. It's interesting, you know. He's got he's got uh, you know liquor bottles hidden all over the place and stuff, <laughs> and uh, it's it's um, it's not a bad movie. Uh, you know, nominated for a few Oscars, I think, uh, yeah. for like sets and costumes and music, but uh, not bad. Yeah, the sequel has uh, some comic relief with uh, Harvey Corman. I mean, uh, the follow-up Huckleberry Finn has a, the comic re- relief provided by Harvey Corman and uh, David Wayne. Oh, okay. And, uh, All right. A lot of slap slapstick sh- uh, shenanigans going on, but uh, that gets to be a little bit much. Uh, sometimes it's fun though, but uh, it gets, they they overdo it a little bit. But anyway, yeah. Oh, and we, and we forgot to mention that, you know, maybe the biggest thing about it, you know, that uh, selling point for some people is that it has an early John Williams score. Uh, yes, it does, yes. Uh, so it's it's not just the Shermans doing the score. Uh, and the, the Shermans also wrote the screenplay, too. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah. so that, that's, that's a notable uh, aspect of it as well. Yeah, and uh, he uh, was nominated for an Oscar for that. I believe that was one of the first John John Williams Oscar nominations, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, the Blu-ray actually has rehearsal footage, uh, believe it or not, with uh, John Williams and the Sherman brothers rehearsing. So, Mm -hmm. behind-the-scenes stuff. So, that's kind of interesting. But, yeah, it's a good bargain. Like I said, you get both of them for the price of one, and you get all these extras, and so it's it's good. And the other title they released uh, was The Crimson Kimono, uh, directed by Samuel Fuller and starring Victoria Shaw and Glenn Corbett from uh, 1959. Mm Mm-hmm. So... That was the other uh, the other title that uh, the Twilight Time released, and uh, one other title here was released on the same day. Uh, I think this was in a documentary that was originally on Epics. It's uh, with great power, the Stan Lee story. So it's a documentary on Stan Lee, oh. and uh, that's that's available as well for anybody who wants to see. Um, See a documentary about Stanley. Um, does anybody get? Uh, do, does Stanley have to be in every Marvel movie? Does he have to have a cameo in every one? Because it gets really old. <laughs> I think. I mean, yeah, you know, that's just me. <laughs> I agree. I yeah, agree. but there, but they, but you know, you only have to look at him for a couple of seconds. <laughs> he doesn't have I'm, any big roles, right? I, no, I he doesn't the, have any big roles, but it, it just feels like they shoehorn him into every movie. It's kind of, I don't know. I did. It's kind of did that to himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed his his appearance in Deadpool. I will have to say he was the DJ in the uh, the strip club. That was that was pretty inventive. So I, I will mm. give give them that. So, okay. <laughs> that was probably my favorite of all of them. Uh, James Russo, Billy Drago, uh, 1988 film Freeway. Um, 
that's a Kino release. Uh, no relation to the other Freeway, the one with uh, Kiefer Sutherland, which... I'm a huge fan of that movie now. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon, she's great mm-hmm. in it. And then Arrow has issued the uh, the 1988 Mike Figus film, uh, Stormy Monday, with Melanie Griffith and Tommy Lee Jones and Sting and Sean Bean. Arg, I tried to I watched that on Prime a couple of uh, months ago. Yeah. Uh, I I never I didn't see it when it came out. And I'm kind of a Mike Figus, you know, I I wouldn't say a fan, but. Some of the movies that I love by him, I really, really love, and so I wanted to check it out. And uh, boy, it's bad. <laughs> it's really, it's really poorly staged and paced. Uh, it's got some really awful music in it. Um, uh, nobody's very convincing in it. So like, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to buy. Um, uh, Melanie Griffith in in her role and uh, and Sting is just kind of just there, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he was always he was uh, he was a very um, I guess a very he was charismatic, but he what happened to his film career? It just uh, <laughs> it never really went anywhere. Um, yeah, I, that's a good I, point. Well, I mean, he, he chose stuff like he chose stuff like Stormy Monday and The Bride, and uh, he was never in anything that really, not that I'm aware of. His music career was going everywhere, so why, why, after a few attempts, why bother trying to hit it in movies if it's not working out? I guess so, uh, you know the same I thing. Mean, I, I I love seeing Mick Jagger in, in movies. Uh, and he hasn't done very many great ones, but I think like one of the last ones he did with Andy Garcia. I mean, it was uh, the man from Elysian Fields or something. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It was yeah. just so odd, odd seeing Mick Jagger in a movie, and he's such an exotic presence that uh, I, I I liked him very much seeing him in that. I guess the only thing that Sting ever movie role that I thought he brought a lot to. Um, I guess the only one I can think of is maybe Dune. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, it's a small role, but uh, he's extremely memorable in that film. Um, well, but, it was yeah, all I, concentrated in, in that period of time, too. And I don't know the... It seems like right before he started his solo career, uh, he started doing a, a few a few movies mm-hmm. in the mid-'80s. Yeah. Yeah, I maybe he got oh, tired of doing it. But anyway, who knows? With with Stormy Monday, uh read the book uh I think it's called My First Movie. And there's an interview with Mike Figgis in there where he talks about making Stormy Monday and uh it's it's a fairly amazing interview. I mean how how much he, he bad talks Tommy Lee Jones talks about what a nightmare <laughs> he was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, Tommy Lee Jones is, is is also not very good in the movie. Uh but uh it, it was it a difficult movie to make or something cuz it, it feels you know, it feels like it is it, 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 but it was. Yeah, it, it, it was dif- it was difficult because of Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just yeah, I just I just remember two other Sting 
performances that are very good. Quadrophenia, of course. Uh, yeah. He's he's good in that. And uh, and Brimstone and Treacle. Uh, he's a 1982 uh, remake of uh, a, a TV. Sort of, I guess it's kind of a it's kind of a black comedy. But uh, he's he's very good in that as well. So based on a Dennis Potter um, uh, screenplay. So uh, yes, yeah, so I don't know. Lost opportunity, I think. I remember yeah. uh, after I think it was Mike, maybe Mike Figgis' second movie, uh, Liebestrom, I think is the name of it, and. Uh, I still remember, for whatever reason, Siskel and Ebert reviewing that movie, and Ebert hating it, and Siskel saying, but you learned so much about architecture. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> always something that comes to mind about what I hear Mike Figgis. I don't know why, it's just one of those random memories stuck in there. Yeah, yeah I thought his career was really going to go places after leaving Las Vegas and uh, the acclaim there, but it's never he he just dabbled in experimental films and whatnot and just never never went anywhere after that. Uh, unfortunately. Well, really, that's where he that's where he always was. So that's yeah, true. I, I think I think kind of success um, gives people the opportunities they've been working towards for some people, and yeah. for others, it might be a hindrance because they can't continue to be themselves with success. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he tried. He tried with that Cold Creek Manor to make a mainstream supernatural movie, but that didn't work. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's kind of sad. You don't hear much from him anymore, <clears throat> either. So, the uh, the nineteen seventy nine horror film uh, Beyond the Darkness, which uh, is supposedly really uh, high on the gore quotient. Uh, that's being issued uh, by Severin Films in an unrated edition. So uh, if you're a fan of uh, Beyond the Darkness. <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, the 1960 film Where the Boys Are from Warner Archive has released this. And it has commentary by Paula Prentice, and Connie Francis and Paula Prentice appear on camera in a, in a retrospective. And there's mm. footage from the Fort Lauderdale premiere and the actual theatrical trailer. And, um, you know, the film stars, uh, you know, it also has uh, uh, Jim Hutton in there, the father of Timothy Hutton, who, you know, he was so young. There. He was like 26 when he made this. And uh, you forget he was actually, he had some comedic chops I thought and uh seeing him in this was kind of interesting I'd forgotten about that so uh George Hamilton he, too right George, George Hamilton yes yeah. yes <laughs> very much so does it have an extra yeah. of and, like, uh, uh, George Hamilton's uh George Hamilton's KFC commercials do they throw those in there <laughs> <laughs> not on this disc but that's an idea um it also has Yvette Mimieux in it, which uh, oh, yeah. I always I always found her. Uh, I never thought she was a good actress, but uh, but you know, lovely to look at. Yes, easy on the eyes for sure. And mm. she, uh, you know, her character in the film it was kind of ahead of its time because uh, they didn't most films didn't deal with the subject of rape, you know, in a very 
a head-on manner like they do in this movie. She's raped in the movie. Her character is, and they deal with it. You know, they uh, they don't try to skirt around it, uh, mm. which is kind of surprising for a film that uh, it's kind of pa- packaged as a glossy, you know, teen romp from the early '60s, and then it just takes a dark turn there towards mm. the uh, towards the end. So it's kind of kind of interesting. Um, uh, well, uh, the Billy Jack collection has arrived with uh, <laughs> from <laughs> Shout Select with uh, audio commentary on all the films uh, with Tom Laughlin and Dolores Taylor, and um, then uh, so does, it, does, is, does it include Born Losers? Is that is that yes, it technically does. a, a yes, Billy Jack movie? Yep, they're all there, all four of them. So it now. Goes- yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, what I, w- I would have liked to have seen, and I was hoping it would come out as an extra, but it didn't, unfortunately. You know, there is a uh, there was a, a fifth film that was, uh, they shot an hour of it in 1986 called um, The Return of Billy Jack. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was uh, Billy Jack going up against the porno industry. And of course, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm serious about this. And there was an hour of footage shot. They 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 were nearing completion actually, and his he got hit in the head with a breakaway chair that didn't break away, and uh, he was hospitalized. And by the time he came out, they lost the funding, and they they didn't. But there's there is a a solid hour of it, and uh, it has been screened in certain places. And I thought, man, that would be great if they had an extra, because I I'd love to see yeah. uh, Billy Jack going up against pornographers. That would be awesome. Especially, especially in since, uh, especially <laughs> since Billy Jack is such a perfect porno name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, that that I, that does make it funnier. Yeah, and I can't imagine a 1986 Billy Jack because these movies are so steeped in the 70s. That's what I would yeah. like to have seen a 1986 version of Billy Jack. I thought, okay, that that <laughs> would have been that would have been interesting, but nevertheless, so, I guess we'll. Has anybody yet here ever sat through Billy Jack Goes to Washington? Which I have. Is, uh, you <laughs> I have. have. All three <laughs> hours. It's three well, hours long, right? The original cut has been lost. Uh, I think it was like two hours and fifty-five minutes, but uh, no, well, well, no, no, it was two hours and thirty minutes originally, and then the uh, there is a hundred and fifteen-minute cut that's on the Blu-ray, which is pretty much all you need. The one that's the longest is this, is the Trial of Billy Jack. That's that's two hours and fifty minutes. Okay, so that's, that's the one I was thinking of. That's the yeah. one I was thinking of. Okay. And, and the strange thing about that film is that it was the, I believe, the either the fourth or the fifth biggest grossing film of 1974. It even outgrossed The Godfather Part Two uh, and Chinatown, I believe, uh, <laughs> which is amazing when you think about that. Yes. Uh, and, and the fact that it has absolutely almost no cultural footprint whatsoever. Right. Uh, yeah, but it made a, a gazillion dollars when it came out. I mean, it was just huge because, uh, you know, in 71 they issued Billy Jack, but it did nothing. And then he sued Warner uh-huh. Brothers because he claimed they, were, they weren't promoting it and they weren't putting their muscle behind it. And so uh, they, they came up with a, a new deal, a distribution deal, where they would both share in case it – 
you know, took off, and he really got out there and promoted the heck out of it. And they rented out theaters around the country and would do these, you know, ad spots, ad campaigns, and it, it, it did the trick in '73. Uh, and that's and they went immediately into production with uh, Trial of, and so I guess probably everybody was think you know it was it was in their mind you know hey it's billy jack here he is again we just saw him last year so everybody ran back into the theater i think uh <clears throat> but but he cut his nose off to spite his face with uh billy jack goes to washington because he he tried to sue warner brothers again and then they just ceased to distribute billy jack goes to washington they said we don't want anything to do with it if you're just going to sue us Every time we turn yeah. around, and because uh, he was so litigious, and so that's why it never got the proper distribution, and uh, the and the original like two hour and thirty five minute cut doesn't exist because he he was trying to distribute it himself, and he just he didn't have the he didn't have the muscle to get that done. So okay, that's the little what a shame uh, short a shame. version of the history of Billy Jack. If anybody cares, but <laughs> <laughs> not that they do. Um, but anyway, so the Zodiac Killer is being issued by something weird. I know you guys were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that's the film, the guy where the the guy made where he was trying to catch the Zodiac Killer, and uh, so that has been issued. Uh, so that's, speaking that's of those, out. That's out now. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. It's on Blu-ray. Uh, restor, you know, the Blu-ray restoration of the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> <laughs> the damn thing, was, the damn thing was made in like four days, and they, they've got right. the, the process of rest, restoring it lovingly. <laughs> yeah, that's just amazing. Yeah, it it is. And uh, there's the Warlock collection. So if you're, uh, yeah. if you're clamoring for uh, uh, a dose of the Warlock films, that Lionsgate has issued those. <laughs> and um, and then Silkwood has been issued by Kino. Which uh, they've they've uh, done a re- restoration on that, and I think there's some new extras there. So uh, if you're a fan that of that movie, that movie's still very very good, uh, mm-hmm. in- incredibly moving, uh, in- uh, absolutely unsung uh, score by uh, Georges Delarue. Delarue. Um, uh, and uh, and and just brilliant direction from Mike Nichols, terrific mm-hmm. screenplay. Maybe the best thing that Nora Ephron's ever been connected with, if you ask me. Uh, and uh, just just a great cast. Everybody's good in it, right down to you know like Diana Scarwitz in it and mm-hmm. uh, Craig T. Nelson, <laughs> Fred Ward. <laughs> It's a it's a really really good movie. Yeah, there is a new interview with the producer of the film, Michael Hausman. Uh, that's the extra. Uh, unfortunately, that's all there is. But uh, yeah, it'll be good to have a, a new transfer of that. Um, so good good for them. Uh, speaking of those early '80s uh, comedies, how about My Chauffeur? <laughs> wow. That's uh. One of those typical, atypical teen comedies from that that period of the early '80s, and uh, so that remember being admired in that period and like absolutely hating it, kind of hating it. Like, but now I have a complete affection for it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, uh, although I can't go back and watch Porky's again <laughs> with any kind of, you know. 
I don't know that that movie is just too vulgar for me, but um, but something like Weekend Pass or uh, or Hard Bodies, I, I have I have affection for those movies. <laughs> yes, I, I, I have a I have a hard I have a hard spot for those. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was my tutor and my chauffeur. I get those all confused. Actually, uh-huh. they kind of run together. So. Private school. Private school. That's another one. Yeah. What is that? My, my tumor? What did you say? My tumor. My tutor. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a really that'd sad a, one. My tumor. Yeah, that would be a really great teen sex comedy. My tumor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's called the fault. The, I think that's called the fault uh, of the stars, isn't it? Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's true. Um, well, there's uh, Bant, uh, and by the way, that's a Vinegar Syndrome release. I'm sure you figured that one out. Uh, no probably, surprise there. Most of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there was a remake of Where the Boys Are in 1984. You remember yes. Where the 84. Boys Are, 84? Uh-huh. Yes. So that was another one that, that fits right in there with uh, Lisa Hartman yeah. was the star of that one, if memory serves. Oh, she was hot. she was she was hot back in the day. I've got I've got that soundtrack, and I've got her two uh, two of her solo albums. It was very, very attractive, <laughs> and they brought back uh, they brought back uh, George Hamilton for the '84 version. He plays the son in it, uh, so it's a good kind of cameo. Oh, yeah, I never That's saw not it. True. So. Is that true? He's really in it. I've, I've not seen it. <laughs> I never yeah, he did. Plays the son. <laughs> <laughs> well, they couldn't bring back. He, play, he plays. He, he was, plays. Uh, he, he plays a leather suitcase in the movie. They brought it back. <laughs> Good one. Touche. Lorna left. Yeah. He well he uh, Jim Hutton couldn't come back because he was deceased by that time. So yeah. Yeah, but uh, no so excuse. the last time. <laughs> the last title. I've seen, I've seen Weekend at Birdies. I, that's no good excuse right now. <laughs> yeah. Jim. Yeah, that would have that would have definitely uh, ratcheted things up a bit, I believe, <laughs> if they'd taken it to that level. Um, so uh, one more title, uh, and this one uh, again was released uh, on July 25th: Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. The uh, it was supposed to go direct to video, and they they decided it was good enough to be released as a theatrical feature, and so they did. This was, uh, I believe, in 1995. I believe it was. So uh, ninety three, sorry, ninety three, and um, is, the voice- uh, is Mark Hamill doing a vo- voices for it or no, is, is the Joker? Is this right? free? Uh, he's not on this one. Not, that's, okay. this was before he. This one has uh, Kevin Conroy, Dana Delaney, Hart Bogner, Stacy Keach, Abe Vigoda, and Dick. <laughs> wow. So. Yeah, that it's literally the the most animated Abe Vigoda has ever been. <laughs> but generally uh, well received when it came out. I remember even uh, Siskel and Ebert. Yeah, very much. Up, so so yeah, yeah, people loved it. I it was one of the mm-hmm. first Blu-ray, uh, not Blu-rays. It was one of the first laser discs I ever bought. Yeah. So I did. I did I, have it in my collection. Hmm. I. I saw it in a theater, and I don't think I've seen it since. I should go back and revisit it. But uh, anyway, so uh, I think that uh, takes care of all the the Blu-ray releases for the month of uh, for the month of July. Uh, so, some good titles in there. That's, that's yeah. 
Not not bad. And the requisite bad titles. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everybody's going to be clamoring to get their hands on State Fair now. Since <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I would watch that for Anne Margaret and Pamela <laughs> Tiffin. Yeah, that that almost makes it worth it. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely see that. Yep. For sure. And Margaret. Uh, <laughs> and Margaret's in that uh, Going in Style movie. She is. Yes, I, uh, I saw that a couple of months ago. Uh, did you watch it? Did you see I that? I did. I saw oh, it. Yeah. How I was saw it? it? Back, back in April, I saw it. Uh, it. Well, my problem with it was that they tried to tie everything up in a neat little bow and and, and a neat little happy bow, which uh, the original film was had a downer ending and it was more realistic in this one. You know, uh, everybody basically, even though they're all you know elderly people, they all live ha- happily ever after. And oh it's, boy, uh, one of those kind of I, things. I had a feeling it was going to do that. And, I'm going to yeah, have to watch it just to satisfy my morbid curiosity about it. Uh, yeah, because the original is one of my very favorite sort of uh, unsung gems. Uh, yeah. From that period, and oh, me too. It's uh, Martin Brest. It was an amazing debut. I mean, when you think about mm-hmm. it, he was only like 28 when he made it. And you know, the 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 remake. Another thing that's so unrealistic. There's a there's a, a running gag about um, Alan Arkin's character being so virile that he's doing it three or four times a day with Anne Margaret, and you know that that goes on and on. And uh, you know, it's a little. <laughs> That's a no pun intended tough pill to swallow at times. <laughs> <laughs> but it is Anne Margaret, man. I mean, well, on. that's true, and she still does look good. I, I mean, I'm going to tell you, for a, a woman in her mid 70s, she she's holding it to get together pretty well. And you mm. know, her husband was at the world premiere of that, and he died like three weeks after that because there was. A, mm. I saw some pictures, yeah. you know, Roger Smith, and he showed up with her at the premiere, and they. Uh, and he was gone a couple of weeks after that. Mm. Did you guys listen to the uh, John Hurd, by the way, the podcast well, with at, Ileana at, Douglas? At least he, at least he was I did. going in style. Uh, it, yeah. That's true. This is true. This is true. I, I did watch that. I, I watched that uh, this past past week. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering since she taped that the day before he died. I just I, I thought, well, that's just you know. I, I listened to it and it was, you know, I, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, he he hid his back pain pretty well, I thought, and uh, uh, yeah, and he was uh, he was very forthcoming. He he uh, he he was similarly uh, downplaying some of his career, like he like he did in our interview, and mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Ileana did a really good job of uh, of. Uh, Encapsulating the career, although I think she should have talked more about, you know, some of the movies that she missed. You know, she didn't talk about chilly scenes of winter or uh, between the lines very much. But uh, yeah, uh, other than that, you know, I, I thought she did. That's that's an enjoyable show. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so too. Yeah, I was just wondering if you guys had, had heard it and uh, all that. So yeah, so I guess that's it. Um, for the for the Blu-rays. Okay. Such fun. What are... Yes. <laughs> of course, of course. So uh, we, and cri- uh, Criterion's uh, Criterion's Barry Lyndon looks amazing. 
Uh, they announced oh, for October. And I thought you would be excited about Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, of course, when I saw that. I immediately thought of you. Yeah. I thought, oh, he's going to be jonesing for that one. <laughs> it's going to be a it's going to be a good month. But the but the yeah. extras on that Barry Lyndon are pretty amazing. Yeah, I I had a feeling that they were uh they had something cooking for, uh, in in regards to Barry Lyndon because there's been a few uh you know spoilers that uh, I mean the little mm-hmm. things that uh, people have let slip that they had something going on and you know they're the only outfit outside of uh, you know, that Warner Brothers is allowing uh, for sub licensing of their titles that's Criterion's the only one that can get their hands on that uh, so if anybody was going to do it it would definitely be them so but you know that's that's that, great that was, that was going to that was going to be the one movie that he did not shoot in England. During the time that he lived in England, yeah, he was shooting. He was going. He, he had. He started shooting already in in Scotland, I think. Yeah, and uh, and uh, they worried for their safety because of the IRA. Mm-hmm. So they moved moved it to England. Nice. Yeah, that's. Uh, there's your, I, there's your Barry Lyndon trivia. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, when they get their, just how they, you know, what the remastering looks like. That's that's another one that uh, will re- require a delicate transfer, you know, with the the lighting, yeah. you know, uh, as he, you know, specified using the real, the candlelight and the, you know, the, the special cameras that he came up with and all that. It's going to be, it's going to be quite interesting to see how they, what they do there. So, yeah, I'm excited, but my I, th- most I think there's, in- there's. I think they're still the fastest lenses ever used in a movie. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. But the title I'm most excited about, though, i got to admit, is uh, coming out September 2nd, is uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't They? The uh, Sidney Pollock film is finally getting a, a 4K restoration, and uh, that <laughs> just really made my day when I heard about that. Yeah, I think uh, that's an extraordinary movie. Oh, Yes. Uh, and and I, uh, yeah, don't don't watch that if you're depressed though, because boy, <laughs> yeah. it'll, it'll bring you down faster faster oh. than a, a shotgun will bring down a duck. Oh, yeah, it's it's ama- a shotgun will bring down a what? <laughs> a duck. What an analogy. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's it, it's, but it is uh, it's both energetic and completely depleting. Uh, yes. let's put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, great cast. Uh, Gig Young definitely deserved his supporting actor Oscar for it, and uh, but uh, I, you know, almost almost just as good in it as uh, I find Red Buttons to be incredibly. Oh yeah, uh, incredibly uh, moving in it as the uh, as the old sailor. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, oh God, uh, you know Sarazen's great in it, and and Fonda's terrific in it, and uh, Bonnie mm-hmm. Bedelia, Bruce Dern, yeah, uh, Susanna York, uh, yeah. Al Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about him. He is in it. That's right. Uh yeah, it's uh it's it's really really a remarkable movie. Uh, I don't it's, think Pollock ever did anything quite 
that um, quite that stunning. Uh, no. I mean, I, I love Tootsie, obviously. You know, that's a great movie, and mm-hmm. and you know he's done some other very very good movies, but none quite reached that level to me. No, uh, I agree. Did you and ever I... see the um, the only documentary he ever made the, about Frank Gehry? Uh, I, I did. did. I watched that. Uh, yeah, I did. A few. I always wanted to, but I never did. <clears throat> a few years ago, was it sketches of Frank Gehry? That That's the one, is? yep. Yeah. Mhm. Uh yeah. Yeah. It was uh it was it was good. Uh you know, he's he's in it too, you know, and Yeah. Uh, well, I th- I thought that was that was I mean, I love I love movies about great architecture and they've they made quite a few documentaries about architects, but um what what made this one special was uh that Sidney Pollock is a constant presence in it. And for mm-hmm. most of the time, he's like, I don't know what to, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make a documentary. Uh-huh. He just, he just, <laughs> you know, it's basically just winging it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, he he really didn't. I mean, because he'd never, uh, I, like you said, never made one before that that I'm aware of, unless he cut his teeth doing that, and I'm not sure. So, yeah. All right. Good times. Yeah. Shall we go? I'll leave that up to you guys. (laughs) I'm getting kind of hungry. Yeah. uh, I did see a ghost story this afternoon, by the way. I finally did (laughs) catch up to that, and it was... Oh, uh, I got to tell you this. There's there's this famous scene in Ghost Story, or infamous scene already, in Ghost Story, uh like a a nine-minute take of her eating a pie... That's right. Um, <clears throat> so, so I got an interview, uh, like a, a publicist offering me interviews last week mm-hmm. with David Lowry, the director of the film, and uh, the baker of that pie. I was like, "Shut <laughs> <laughs> up! Really? No, get out!" I am dead serious. Yeah, the baker of the pie. What are you going to ask yeah. him? <laughs> what kind of pie was it? Do we find out what kind of pie it is? Uh, yeah, it's like uh, it's like rhubarb or something Mm-mm. like that. Yeah, I, I I know you guys have mentioned it. I think Dean mentioned that there was the pie eating scene, and so I, I needed to use the restroom. And when I saw her start to eat the pie, uh, I told my friend that I was with. I said, "I'll be back. I gotta." And I came back, and she was just, I, I swear, I came back, and she was just finishing eating the pie when I came back from the restroom. I wow. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> so thanks that's for the heads really, up. That's funny. Yeah, it was perfect. So, yeah, but it's it's about what you would expect. And, you know, there's some good moments in there from time to time, but it's it's just not really, it's a little too... Uh, dry for my taste, and uh, I'm sure some people are, are. I could see why some people would love it, but I, I just was a little, was left a little cold with it. Uh, mm. so, yeah. Anyway. Well, well tonight <laughs> I'm going to rewatch Get Out again. Yeah, well and that's that's a good one. You can't argue with that. Yeah, that's a good one. 
I think I'm going to re- revisit Fatal Attraction because I just listened to the, uh, the 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 thing you guys put up uh, the the 30th anniversary and it uh, I had just recently acquired it on Blu-ray. I didn't have it until just a couple of weeks ago, and I thought I think I'm going to revisit that. It's been a long time, so yeah, I, think I am. It was it was definitely a movie of its time. I mean, that, yeah, that movie was was made more powerful because of. Uh, and I brought that up to Stuart Duncan, and uh, you know he di- he didn't think much of it. But I said, you know, the the if you look at movies like this, um, I mean, there were a lot of movies after it that were just like it. But mm. the movies preceding it, I mean, I would put something like Looking for Mr. Goodbar in there too, because it uh, it's it speaks to the the dangers of kind of the that period of time. Kind of sexual activities and proclivities. Um, yeah. In fact, I thought Fatal Attraction was much the same way, but Fatal Attraction also had the added resonance of, in some way, dealing with uh, AIDS being another danger zone out there for mm-hmm. uh, unprotected uh, sex. Um, yeah. So he didn't see any of that, but uh, <laughs> he was in it. He did it? Yeah. How could you miss that? that? I guess, you know. Maybe maybe just actors aren't very smart. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Actors, I mean, how yes, did you miss yes. that? Actors actors tend to be, and this always shocked me. The actors tend to be the least kind of thoughtful or uh, of, of all guests. I mean, there are definite exceptions, but um, for the most part, yeah, he had very he he just came in, he got along with everybody. I don't think he thought twice about you know the deeper mm-hmm. significance of the movie. He might have, he might have even just gone in, had the script, just you know, high, highlighted his lines, read those, and forgot about the rest of it. Yeah, just, and he you know, said, "I just a job. I think his point his point was it was just a good thriller, and my feeling was that it, it, that's the reason why it was a hit, but it became a phenomenon for a different reason. I mean, yes. uh, and it really did become a phenomenon. That movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it got a Best Picture nomination. Who who would have who would have guessed it? that would have happened? <laughs> yeah, really? yeah. And 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 they're and they're talking about it in like the nightly news and stuff. It was a good uh-huh. current. It's true, true. And I love yeah. Adrian Lyne. So yeah, I, I mean, Me I, I don't feel the need to go back and watch Fatal Attraction, but uh, I do like him, and I. I regret that he hasn't made a movie since Unfaithful. I, I do I too. Love I do too. I think that's a yeah. really good movie. That's uh, that, that's kind of extraordinary. I never thought about it, but he he really hasn't been active at all. Uh, that's been really surprising. Years. That's yeah. that's quite a movie to go out on. That's a good good film to you know. I'm surprised that he stopped after that because you know that seems like a career high. Well, there was yeah. talk he was trying. He was going to do the town, and then he backed out, and Ben Affleck took over. So there's been talk of him doing things here and there, but uh, there was one time Aaron almost got him because he was doing a show on Adrian Lyne, and he went to the publicist or the agent. He doesn't have a publicist, and the agent says, "I have no idea where he is." Like Adrian Lyne is could be hiking in the Himalayas. <laughs> uh, uh, the, that's the kind of thing he does. <laughs> 